Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Steve Lorenz joins us on today's game day segment with our monthly recruiting update. Before we get to Steve, a few news and notes to get us started. Softball season came to an end over the weekend down in the Lexington Regional. They lost 4-1 to Notre Dame on Friday, beat UIC on Saturday, then lost a heartbreaker on Sunday 2-1 again to Notre Dame. Freshman sensation Megan Bobian wasn't at her best, but she didn't get much run support and there were costly errors in both games. We'll have more on this on Quick Hits later in the show. Baseball dropped three to Purdue over the weekend, and it would appear they need a run in the Big Ten tournament this week if they have any hope of getting into the NCAA tourney. Jim Harbaugh said on Monday that next year he will be taking the team to South Africa. They will even be taking a safari while there. Not many details were released, so stay tuned on that topic. As of this morning, Michigan's 2019 class has 10 verbals. It is in just about everyone's top 10 right now and considered the best in the Big Ten. That's good news, but who knows what will happen between now and signing day. Steve Lorenz is up next on our game day segment with our monthly recruiting update. Here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our monthly recruiting update on our game day segment is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Steve, great to have you back as always. Thanks, Mike. Always glad to be on. Well, here we are in May, uh, heading towards the end of May. And who knows, with the uh, with the new signing period, how things are going to uh, to go down in the recruiting world this year. But looking back at April, Steve, pretty darn uh, nice month for Michigan. Let's start with, uh, there are four commits, by the way, four verbals. Let's start with a couple of the uh, offensive linemen uh, in the class that committed. Carson Barnhart and Jack Stewart, we've talked about them before, but your thoughts on them. So, Barnhart, great pickup. Uh both great pickups. Stewart's actually added a offer from and a couple other programs, I believe, since he committed. I think Nebraska, maybe. Uh, so some bigger schools taking notice there. Uh, both guys, you know, there's a Charles Power used to write for our Alabama affiliate, kind of more of a scout type guy just mm-hmm. in general now. Uh, tweeted out a great stat during the NFL draft, uh, giving the uh, average measurements of the tackles who were drafted in the 2018 draft in high school, came out to 6'5", 282. Uh, both those guys are almost literally that weight and height right now. Um, so I look at that and think, you know, Michigan knows. They've done their homework. They know what kind of bodies are being built into NFL-ready players by the time they've graduated from college. You know, you'll see a lot of these higher-ranked guys, 6'6", mm-hmm. 6'7", 340, you know, guys that, they go to these no pad and just dominate these undersized defensive ends because they're already maxed out so much bigger, you know. So, yeah. you know, I think couple definitely both these guys are both high ceiling type guys. Uh, I think Barnhart is kind of that that guy in the class who really could project anywhere. Uh, he's kind of that they've gotten gotten a guy like that in each class just about. You know, I think a Ben Bredesen, Mason Cole type, or those those are the two guys we always kind of look at. Uh, you know, those guys that really, well, Cole did play everywhere. Um, ben probably could have played anywhere, really could have played wherever they needed him to, uh, you know, left, left guard now. But, uh, you know, so both guys kind of fit that mold. Uh, Stewart, both, both both probably raw, though, too. Uh, Stewart maybe a little more raw. Um, but, again, it's like, you know, the way I look at it, if they're going to take a verbal from him in April, uh, there's got to be enough for them to like. Uh, they're not really going the – you go back to like 16, uh, 15, not 15 so much, but 16 especially, where I think they took a lot of verbal commitments early that maybe they shouldn't have. Uh, I think Michigan had 11 decommitments in the 2016 class, uh, which is crazy. Many of them were guys that Michigan took verbals from and then kind of cooled off on later. I don't really see them doing that anymore. Uh, I think they cut it down last cycle uh, for the most part, and I think they're still trying to cut it down even further so you know if they'll take a guy in april prepared to sign him in the in the in the winter 
uh, you know, I think it's always a sign that they got somebody who they wanted and it's somebody that at the very least that fan should give a fair shake to. But, um, you know, Barnhart was a guy that Michigan State leaned early and Michigan flipped that script pretty quickly. Uh, I think he was going to commit, I want to say about a, two weeks before. Mm-hmm. He actually did commit. He almost committed. I uh, had a date set and everything backed off. I think, we think Michigan State put a late last-second full-court press on, um, but then he flipped it. Uh, changes not changed his mind. I think he was going to Michigan either way, but you know, kind of went back and said, "Okay, I, I am going to Michigan. This is the decision I'm making." So, um, and you know, last thing on him, neither guys come. You know, Barnhart's from Pawpaw, not really a hotbed right. of football talent necessarily, right? And then Stewart is uh, from Connecticut. So, you know, again, it's like people look at the rankings on some of these guys. Um, I think they're both underscouted. I know Barnhart was excellent at the Under Armour camp a couple weeks ago. I actually think he's probably going to be a four-star before all is said and done. You know, but Stewart, it's like, you know, I tried to tell our readers, you know, that we're at 24-7 for sure. Uh, can't speak for others, but, you know, I don't know if anybody will ever get out to personally evaluate him in person. You know, it'll all be film-based, you know, and so uh, there's so much more you can learn about a guy watching him in person, which is why I'd, a lot of the national guys become national guys because they're seen in person. They're impressive, you know, type thing. So, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's really kind of how I feel about those guys. I think both great additions, both high ceiling type kids, good fits. Well, Jack Stewart, isn't he one of those kids? I think I had read him say that his, uh, his dad and his coach didn't want him um, going out doing the camp circuit and, and all that stuff. So he's one of these kids that um, you know, I, I don't even know what his star rating is, but he didn't do that. He was not a big camper, was he? No, uh, he's a three-star guy. I think we have him at like an 87, which is like, that's fine. Like, that's a good, yeah. you know, people scoff at the three-star, but uh, and anything over an 85 is like a, a high-caliber recruit, in my opinion. I mean, even the lower three-star guys, there's always a, there's a ton of them that pan out in college every year. But, you know, just the odds are, I think you get 86, 87, 88. Um, I mean, Michigan's number one ranked defense has five or six of those guys on there, yeah. uh, the 87s. And, you know, Devin Bush was an 87. Hudson was an 88. I mean, you look at that now and you laugh. Uh, you know, it's like obviously Michigan knows, you know, what they're doing evaluation-wise. So, And it's the other thing, too, is uh, this is Ed Warner's gig now, not Drevno's, you know. And so uh, Warner's track record has been excellent. He's a great evaluator. His track record speaks for itself in that regard. So, you know, Barnhart was a the guy they were after anyway, but I believe Stewart was the – he was one of the first three offensive line offers they made after Warner was hired. So definitely a guy that he's high on personally. And, uh, you know, like I said, a guy I think they feel like they can develop pretty easily. Well, two of the other uh, the other two, I should say, verbal commits in April were on the defensive side, Gabe Newberg, defensive lineman. And a four-star cornerback who I think is out of uh, Hollywood, Florida, to Corey Couch. Uh, your take on those two kids. So Newberg, uh, again, another high three-star. I think he's an 86 or an 87. Uh, again, another guy I think fans kind of, you know, threw up their arms a little bit with considering some of the ratings and rankings with some of the other defensive players they're in on at end. Uh, but then I look at it like this, you know, Michigan State, was probably where he was headed before they off before uh, Michigan offered. And sorry, I know Michigan fans begrudgingly will have to accept this, but Michigan State has produced and, and evaluated and, and succeeded up front on the defensive line, you know, for years now mm-hmm. and know what they're looking for. And so if, you know, you see a guy that Michigan State wants at defensive end, there's really pretty good chance that he's a player, uh, you know, especially, I mean, really they've, they've almost, you know, in a way they've, a lot of times hit on the lower rank guys more than they have the higher rank guys that they've recruited, you know, at state. So, you know, that's one thing I noticed right away about him. Uh, the other thing is too, I know Bill Green, our Ohio guy, uh, evaluated him in what he called a mud bowl, <laughs> said it was really hard to grade him properly because of the weather played in the game. Again, another guy he specifically said is a guy that could see his profile rise uh, throughout the summer and then heading into the fall once the real games begin. So, you know, Newberg, Lifelong Michigan fan too. Uh, I know he sent Bryce Marich, uh of our uh, of our site, Michigan site. You know some some pictures of him when he was like three four years old in a Michigan jersey. And uh, I am I'm of the opinion that if a guy's got a lot of talent and they love Michigan that much, 
uh, they're going to be a good fit. I mean, these are the kind of kids that would run through a wall, you know, to play for the program. You know, mm-hmm. and you can't really can't really put a value on that, in my opinion. I mean, there's a, you know, you talk about the names back in the 80s, the guys in the 80s and 90s that the program was built on. Uh, you know, that that lifelong Michigan fans, guys that grew up, you know, rooting for the Wolverines mm-hmm. in Ohio. You know, so uh, so good fit there. Uh, again, they're looking like they're going to end up with a strong defensive line class this cycle. And then, and then Couch is the most interesting fit of all. Uh, I think Michigan's cornerbacks the last two cycles averaged 6'2 in height. Right. Uh, I believe Couch is 5'9", probably. Yeah. Yeah. 5'9". So his profile says that he's 148 pounds, which actually is accurate right now, or it was as of about a month and a half ago. But he's also a track athlete. And that's where they, they lose weight uh, when these kids are running sprints and all that stuff all, all spring or, you know, all winter uh, in the track meets. Uh, the weight goes down, fluctuates. He's probably legitimately a good 165, uh, one up to maybe 170, you know, type guy. Great complement. So if you go back to the, you know, six two corners they've been recruiting, Couch is kind of the perfect complement in that regard as, uh, you know, a guy they could put in at nickel. Uh, I think he's a for surefire nickel. Uh, for them, uh, and, and then a good one, too. I think he already had a pick six in his spring game. Um, you know, Miami, Tennessee was where he was. So technically they flipped him from Tennessee, but really there had been next to no contact there for three or four months. I mean, really, I, I know our Tennessee guys said they had con- contemplated even taking him off the commitment list, even though he didn't ever technically decommit uh, from Tennessee. So that's one of the of the guys that we talked about. He's definitely one where, you know, I think Miami – is going to be around for a while still. Uh, one of his teammates just flipped from Kentucky to Miami. They're interested in another one of his teammates, John Dunmore, who we've, I think we've talked about before, mm-hmm. the receiver mm-hmm. that they uh, took an official last month. So um, he was on the visit when Couch committed. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see there. Uh, I think, like I said, I think Miami's going to stick around, though. I think they kind of feel like, you know, and this is where we talk about that early official visit period. He's already used his official to Michigan. It's when he committed. He lives like 20 minutes from Miami, you know, and so like Miami's mentality is, hey, he already uses official to Michigan. We can get him to campus probably literally any weekend they want, you know, so it's going to be on Michigan to get him back up at some point, but he's going to have to come up on his own dime. So uh, that's where the kind of battle begins there. Uh, We'll see. Uh, But again, great, great fit uh, with what they've had, what they already have on the roster at cornerback. And uh, now they can move forward. Uh, with some other guys there. Well, speaking of moving forward, uh, I think it was just a, a week or so ago you wrote in the Detroit Free Press about five uh, players we were still very high on, still right up at the top of the board for Michigan. Let's get your thoughts on, you know, or what you've heard about some of these kids, Steve, starting with uh, a young man from East Kentwood defensive tackle. I'm never sure how to pronounce his name. Is it Mazie or Mazie Smith? Say Mazie. Mozzie Smith. Okay, he's uh, yep. he has. Uh, I think he just went to Penn State for a visit and said he was very impressed. But he has the likes of Notre Dame after him, Florida, Ohio State, uh, all uh, hot and heavy after him. What's the deal with this kid? I think Michigan remains in really good shape there. Uh, personally, the crystal ball, I believe, unless something's changed, is, should be still 100 percent in Michigan's favor. There, uh, a guy they've been high on for months. I think Notre Dame led very early. But uh, Michigan made him a huge priority over the winter. Really, uh, I think he came up for a couple of basketball games, actually. I think they seized the momentum there. Uh, really a guy, I, as of today, I would be very surprised if he didn't end up in the class at some point. Uh, I think he's a great fit for them in the middle. They need defensive tackles this cycle. Uh, he's, like I said, really, you go down their, their defensive tackle board, uh, really he's about the only one. There are a couple other guys, too. Uh, but really the one that they've – made the biggest priority for the longest amount of time. I mean, just a, kind of a natural fit there uh, and a guy that, like I said, would be a really great fit for them in the middle. And uh, Greg Madison, again, I mean, he's done a, he's kind of the west side of Michigan recruiter. Uh, he's done a good job in this one. Really probably the biggest reason they overtook Notre Dame as quickly and, and as by as much as they did. Well, we're still working hard in Georgia again this uh, this year, this cycle. Uh, one of the kids uh, we really want is DJ Turner II. He's out of Sewanee, uh, Georgia. Three-star prospect, and we have plenty of company in recruiting him. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, 
and a bunch of others. But, you know, from everything I hear, Steve, he appears to be a, a Michigan lean right now. Is that what you hear? He's another one that, as things stand today, I, I feel pretty good about Michigan's chances. Uh, you know, really reminds me of the Green Twins from last cycle mm-hmm. uh, as a guy in 88 rating was one of Michigan's first offers at the cornerback position and as a guy that they have stayed on and recruited the entire time. You know, there's times where, especially early in the cycle, some offers will go out, especially in those talent, those those hotbed areas, you know, where you, where, you, know, you, you want to get in early because if the kid does develop and blow up, then you can come back and say you were in early. Otherwise, a lot of times, you know, you'll offer a guy maybe doesn't turn into what you thought he would or what you want him to. And then you just kind of stop recruiting and there's really no harm, no foul. The prospect will end up elsewhere and uh, the schools that make him a priority will, you know, be the ones that, you know, get first crack or whatever. So, you know, but Turner's a guy that they've maintained on the entire time and uh, close friends with Chris Hinton, the uh, defensive line commitment, who's been recruiting him. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, cornerback again, another position where it's just, I know he's a three-star guy, but it's just hard for, I think it'd be hard for a fan to not have faith in the cornerbacks that they're trying to recruit. I mean, they've had so much success at the position. Right. Uh, I mean, you might, you could argue, you know, that they're, that their starting duo this year could be the, maybe the best one, two in the country. I mean, they're definitely one of the two or three best duos in the country for sure with David Long and Lavert Hill. And, you know, Jordan Lewis is already showing that he was completely underrated, uh, you know, as far as where he was drafted. So, uh, you know, so that's it's a position where I think you have faith in what Michigan's doing. And again, this isn't a guy that they are kind of got to beat on late and are trying to just fill a spot. I mean, this is a kid they've been recruiting hard the entire the entirety of his recruitment. So, um, and again, Chris Bartridge always kind of the difference maker in Georgia. Uh, I think I think Al Washington maybe played a small role here, but this has been Partridge pretty much since the beginning. And um, yeah, he's got a lot of great offers too. I know he was just at Florida last weekend for an official I think they're probably the other school but again he'll visit Michigan this 22nd of June and he's supposed to make a verbal on the 25th I mean that's usually a pretty good indication um, as long as his visit doesn't completely isn't a complete wreck which no anticipation it would be uh, that Michigan would be the choice when he makes that verbal well William Herod big offensive uh, tackle from Fort Washington, Maryland. Someone we've talked about, Steve, over the last couple of months. Uh, I know you have said before that you think Michigan is in the lead for him, but he's been offered, I think, recently by LSU. He's a four-star recruit. He's also, I think, being recruited heavily by Oklahoma and Oregon. But I know you've said before you you sort of have a hard time seeing him ending up anywhere else but Ann Arbor. Yeah, and, and that hasn't changed. You know, I think the only hiccup, not a hiccup even, but just the one of the questions was if, you know, because Drebno left if that would have an effect I know some fans will scoff because they believe that Tim Drebno was a horrible recruiter but you know that was who his best relationship was along with Pep Hamilton uh you know so Warner's picked up the slack there and and yeah I mean really the three guys we talked about I mean I think those are the right not as things stand right now those are probably the three best bets to commit and uh you know Herod another one when he was offered I think he was like an 84, 85. Uh, I know we reevaluated him at 24-7 sports. I think he's like a 93 now. He's one of the top 150 players in the country. So, um, you know, again, another good evaluation. He's Yeah, he's become a little bit more national. He just named a top seven. Uh, obviously, Michigan was in it. I think, uh, I think LSU, Florida, North Carolina, Maryland, I think some other schools in there. Georgia actually just offered him as well, but they didn't make the top seven. I think they did the whole – saw that he was going to announce his top seven. So they said, Hey, we should probably offer this guy. Um, but I think it was a little bit too late. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, that's that top seven. I mean, that stuff could change any, at a drop of a hat, but, uh, he's supposed to announce a, a verbal in July. And again, I think he's another kid. I don't know if he'll be up on the 22nd, but I, he's going to be up for an official before then. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Michigan's offensive line recruiting's kind of taken shape here in 19. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he's a kid that I another one that I would be kind of surprised if, he ended up elsewhere. Well, Zach Harrison is a player that we've talked about again over the months. He's a five-star. He's visited uh, here twice in the last six weeks. He, uh, If you watch film on him, he just looks like a great player. He's from Olentangy Orange. 
in Lewis Center, Ohio. And for you folks that still have an atlas, if you want to get that out, it's very close to another place where there's a school named Ohio State. And uh, even Notre Dame's after him, but hard to believe he won't end up as uh, one of Urban's boys. Yeah, it's kind of one of those, like this is the way I described it a couple weeks ago, is like if, if he doesn't go to Ohio State, it's going to be one of those deals where his crystal ball is going to flip at the very, very last second. Because mm-hmm. I just think everyone's assuming the same thing. You know, he's done his due diligence. You know, I'd say I think it's Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, and then I think Clemson. I think Notre Dame's fallen off a little bit in recent weeks. Uh, but I think those other four, I think play out Clemson, uh, Penn State, Michigan, and, and Ohio State. You know, and I, it, it depends on who you talk to, mm-hmm. uh, but I really wouldn't sleep on Michigan or Penn State. I think Penn State has a chance with them for sure. Uh, I know Michigan believes they do, uh, but again, it is. It's just one of those things, you know, it's, everyone, there's a handful of recruitments every cycle where, you know, the feeling is the kid's open. You know, they're really considering other schools, but they always end up going where you think they're going to go. And that's still, there's hasn't been anything concrete necessarily uh, for me to believe that it's still not going to be Ohio State at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lewis Center's like 15 minutes outside of it. It's like he lives 20 minutes from the horseshoe. Um, I know his mom's, his family, his fans, uh, she's flat out told me that before, but then also made it clear that they're removing that part of the, part of it out of the process i don't necessarily i don't i'm one that believes that you really can't fully do that though Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't really think you can fully remove that and then i mean to be honest like ohio state's produced a ton of defensive linemen you know it's not as if if he goes to ohio state it's only because they they're right there i mean ohio state's done a great job up front uh you know that being said i think he's a kid that's gonna be really really good no matter where he goes but uh but yeah i mean again yeah kind of the same there uh i would not be surprised if he's back up to Michigan again, though, next month at some point. I think they get an official from him, um, and they're going to take their shot. So Penn State already got their shot. I'm guessing Ohio State, because I think he wants to get it over this summer. I'm guessing Ohio State will try to get the last official. That's just that's what they're 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 known to do. That's what I would be trying to do if I was them. Uh, so I assume they'll try to work it out that way. Uh, but I believe July or August is when he's looking to uh, get things over with. Another defensive player who uh, I've seen a bit of, and I like him, Daxton Hill. He's out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Booker T. Washington High School. He's a safety. Michigan's been after him for quite a while, Steve, but uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are are closing hard too, aren't they? Yep. I think Ohio State's in that one too, but I would say that that is one that I would not sleep on Michigan, actually. Uh, Safety, probably the one spot that they really have not reeled in a blue chipper. Right. I know some would say running back, but Kareem Walker was like ranked 105th overall in the composite when he signed. I know it hasn't panned out yet for him on the field, um, but he was a top flight running back recruit when Michigan signed him, you know? So, I mean, that you'd have to just strictly from, strictly from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, that safety is kind of the one spot, you know, Hill and a Lewis sign as well, uh, who's transferred over to like, I think it's Cedar Hill Academy mm-hmm. in, in Texas. Um, both of those guys, Michigan is in on, and both of them, either one or whoever, Hill's a little bit higher ranked, but they would be the second and third ranked safeties that Michigan's ever highest ranked safeties that Michigan's ever recruited uh, since the recruiting era started in in 2000, or the rankings era started in 2000. So, uh, you know, it's just so it goes without saying, you know, and, and I think that's one of the pitches. Uh, as it should be, you know, as, as I think Hill for sure is a guy that could play right away. And, uh, you know, Michigan will lose Tyree Kinnell after this year. And then, you know, really haven't, you know, Jameric Woods, I think, is a young guy that is going to make an impact this year. Um, and then Casey, I mean, they, they used it, you know, they used a grad transfer this year to fill in with safety with Casey Hughes, the, mm-hmm. the Utah mm-hmm. transfer. So you know that there's potential opportunity there for young players to come in and play. So, you know, I think that's kind of one of their angles with Hill. The one, you know, his, his older brother plays for Oklahoma State. That's kind of their, like, ace in the hole. Oklahoma's Oklahoma. I mean, they usually get who they want out of the area. That being said, though, Booker T. Washington, where he plays, is kind of a program that their players tend to kind of go where they really want to go. Um, not saying he wouldn't go to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, for sure. I mean, those are definite distinct possibilities, but – it's not the 
Oklahoma lock that most of the major programs in that state would be necessarily. So that's not one. That's one I wouldn't sleep on Michigan's chances for. I mean, that's another Partridge deal. He's done a great job. The visit that he went, he was there in March. The visit went really, really, really well. Uh, family liked it. The kid liked it, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, I would, I definitely think Michigan's ahead of Ohio State. I'd say his top. He had a top six. I think Alabama was involved in Clemson. So again, the typical suspects, really. I mean, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then you had Michigan, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Michigan's definitely in the top three. Um, and I think they really, if it could be even higher, really. With us here on our monthly recruiting update on our game day segment this week is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Steve, coming up, a big recruiting weekend. I, I think it might be the biggest one so far of, of this cycle, June 22nd. We just talked about uh, Lewis Sign. We've been talking about him for months. He's coming in for the visit, from what I understand. But we're going to be seeing defensive end Michael Fletcher, five-star Michigan commit Chris Hinton, uh, three-star defensive end uh, Aeneas DeCosmo, and more of those players. Uh, it, it is a huge, huge weekend. Do we expect some commits possibly rolling out of that weekend? Uh, as far as like when they're there, that's always up in the air. But mm-hmm. there are a couple, few of those. The Cosmo one, I think, who will want to end things pretty quickly after that. I, I believe his other officials are scheduled before that. That's a Michigan Stanford battle. I think Notre Dame's in that one too. But I, I think it's Michigan or Stanford. Probably would give Stanford the edge there right now. But I also know that he's he's been relatively impressionable. I guess uh, Michigan was a huge leader. I mean, that's literally his words not mine uh after he took his unofficial there a couple months ago uh, goes to stanford and then says that they have the edge you know and so you know get michigan get him back on campus like he's a guy i mean there's a there's a there are three or four guys uh this cycle that they're recruiting he's one he's terribly underrated Uh, i think we have him as an 86 Mm mm-hmm uh, he's a four-star, in my opinion. I don't really even think it's particularly close. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit. Uh, I think he's a guy that could be could be a Viper, could be a sort of that rush end linebacker, like a Josh Uche type uh, guy with the way they've been using him. You know, as a guy that could rush, that they just put into blitz pretty much. Uh, you know, so would be a, a versatile piece that, again, a guy that I think is totally underrated, but also I think would be a perfect fit in, the Don, in Don Brown's defense. So, uh you know, but as far as commitments go, we'll see. Like I said, Turner will be be up there that weekend, and uh, he'll, he's going to he is ending things relatively quickly after that. So he'd kind of be one of the natural choices. You know, but the, yeah, the June twenty second kind of seems to be their big summer official, you know, weekend. And again, we talk about the early official visits. Um, I could see Zach Sharpenet, who I believe might be their top running back target out of Westlake Village, California. Uh, I think he could be up there. I would not be surprised at all if Michigan led there. And I also think, you know, they're they're in on some higher-ranked backs too. John Emery, who we've talked about before, mm-hmm. Kavars Crouch. Uh, I think Charbonnet is either one or two on their board. Their Michigan is really, really, really high on him. And uh, you know, I think in, I think Brandon Huffman, one of our West Coast analysts, uh, just did an interview with him the other day. And uh, I think Michigan, Washington. Wisconsin and uh, probably UCLA, USC, kind of the top group there. But I, I, I really am confident Michigan's in the top two. And, they, and really, if I had to guess, I probably think they're in the lead. So uh, would be a coup for them in that regard. So I think there's a possibility he's up there. And I know there's a ton of other guys that are planning to come up for officials. I know five-star corner Akeem Dent, who's verbally committed to Florida State, uh, is a guy that mentioned Michigan as a, an official, you know, and I was, again, I assume they're trying to get a lot of these kids up on the same day. So uh, he's a name to watch for sure. And uh, John Emery, like I said, we talked about, he's going to official to Michigan uh, could see it being that day too. So, you know, that, and then I think the other thing that's setting up is I think Penn state is the game that they're trying to make is their main in season uh, official visit weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, those, those will be the two dates. I can't remember the off- offhand when they play Penn state, um, but you know, that June 22nd and then Penn State, I think those are going to be the two big, big recruiting weekends uh, for the next four or five months. And then I'm I'm not sure if the June 22nd thing now becomes their barbecue. You know, if they try to turn that into, you know, the, that'll be what the barbecue is, is all these official visitors, or if they'll do a separate barbecue, maybe like a junior day type barbecue for the 2020s. But, um, but those two dates definitely look like the big ones right now on the, on the docket. 
There's another running back that I'm seeing that's coming in on the 22nd. Uh, I'm not sure if he pronounces it Kieran or Kyron Williams, um, but but he's oh yeah, Kyron Williams, yeah, from mm-hmm. St. Louis. And I know I've seen him compared. I think you've compared him to Chris Evans before. That kind of a of a style, and he can also, from what I understand, play slot receiver as well. I think he's pretty big on Notre Dame, though, isn't he? That's Michigan or Notre Dame. Uh, he has a top six, but it's. That one's a Michigan-Notre Dame battle. So I think there's a good chance that Michigan takes two backs if they get two backs that they like. So let's just say say they come back and beat Notre Dame for Kyron Williams, which I think it's pretty close. I, if you told me three weeks ago, I'd have said, I'd have said, Notre, excuse me, I'd have said Notre Dame for sure. Um, but I think Michigan has worked really, really hard. Uh, you know, as an aside, I can't say enough about the work that Jay Harbaugh has done this cycle. I mean – I would argue that Michigan's in the top three. I posted this the other day. I would argue that Michigan's in the top three for probably their top six or seven running back targets right now. And uh, they know they still have, you know, finishing second and third doesn't count. But still, uh, they're in striking distance for every single guy that they've honed in on. And that includes Crouch. That includes Emery, uh, Charbonnet, uh, Kyron Williams, like you said. Uh, Brees Hall out of, out of uh, Kansas is a guy they're still recruiting. Keelan Robinson out of Washington, D.C., uh, probably missing somebody. But, uh, you know, he has them in the top group for every single one of these guys. And at this point in the cycle, you can't really ask for much more than that. Isaiah Spiller, four-star out of Texas, he just named Michigan in his top three. Uh, you know what I mean? So, so as an aside, he's done a great job there. Um, but with Williams, yeah, it's going to come down to Michigan or Notre Dame, in my opinion. My crystal ball is actually on Notre Dame. But I could, this one's going to be close. Michigan gets the last official. You know, I'm, like I mentioned earlier with Harrison, you know, a lot of times getting the last official is great, mm-hmm. great opportunity. You know, you get that last word in. And, and, again, he's another guy I think is going to decide shortly after uh, that day. You know, I think so. He, I think he has a commitment date set. So, you know, that'll be be an interesting one. Michigan and Notre Dame have locked up a lot this yeah. cycle. I mean, they, they usually do, but I think it's been even more than usual this year. So uh, if they can beat him – if they can beat Notre Dame for Williams, it'd be the second year in a row they've beaten the Irish for a, a top running back target, as they did with Christian Turner last year. Well, right now, as we mentioned at the top of the uh, of the show, we have uh, 10 verbals so far in this class, Steve. Let's talk about two of them for a minute that I read quite a bit about. Um, Stephen Heron Jr., Nolan Rumler, they're both four-star kids. Heron being pursued reportedly very hard by Stanford right now. And you know where Rumler is geographically. Ohio State was going to uh, come after him hard. Any um, inkling that they're wavering a bit? No on Rumler. Really, I don't know, not much to elaborate on there. I, I just, I'd be utterly shocked still if uh, anything happened. I'd be, I'd be eight out of ten surprised if he ever, if he even visited elsewhere. Uh, if he did, maybe he'd go with some high school teammates. You know, there's a couple highly recruited younger kids at, at Hoban where he's at in Akron who are, you know, could maybe visit Ohio State or something like that. But no, I mean, comes from a diehard Michigan family, um, was a guy that, you know, my favorite crystal ball of all time because I predicted him like literally three years before he committed. Um, yeah, so it's like I'd be – I'd say if he didn't sign with Michigan, I'd be, I'd be pretty disappointed personally because I, I always felt good about that crystal ball. So, um but, no, he's one I'd be very, very, very surprised on. And uh, with Heron, uh, what about as of about two weeks ago, said he was solid, said there was nothing, you know, he's listening to other schools, but, but that he's 100% committed. Uh, that one I still think. You know, so the deal with Stanford, when you're recruiting against Stanford, is like you're, you're recruiting against their, like, acceptance calendar because a lot of kids don't even know if they can get in and, and play for Stanford until – it's like December or something. You know, that's mm-hmm. what happened with Devery Hamilton a couple cycles ago uh, out of Baltimore, the offensive lineman they had committed who f- kind of flipped to Stanford at the last second. What was come to find out it's because he found out he got accepted, you know? And so with Stanford, it's like this like long, like period of time. You know what I mean? So right. I, I, this is my anticipation there. If Michigan really starts to believe that this kid wants to go to Stanford more than he wants to go to Michigan, I sometimes wonder if Michigan will ever back off, just back off of a kid like that, because otherwise what you're doing is you're basically, hey, like Michigan's being used as a placeholder until they find out if they get into Stanford or not, and then they get burned at the last second, right? So, I mean, Michigan wants, they want to 
hang on to him and sign him, obviously. I mean, he he just had a great, from what I heard, he sounds like he had a great rivals camp. I believe somebody posted on our board who's the MVP at a recent camp of theirs. So, I mean, he's having a pretty good off season. Um, but again, I mean, I think this is another, yeah, Michigan or Stanford. Uh, hard to gauge exactly how solid he is, though. I think he's pretty solid, but, you know, we'll see. He should be on campus again pretty soon, though, which will help because he hasn't been there in a while. Well, we've talked about these next couple of kids um, for the last couple of months, too. Running back, Quavaris Crouch, who I've been reading, maybe wants to play linebacker or is being recruited uh, as a linebacker by some schools. Uh, he's out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And five-star uh, Isaiah Williams, I haven't read or seen if anything's uh, changed with those two kids lately. Uh, what's the update on them, Steve? Nothing on Williams. You know, Illinois pretty much given him the keys to the kingdom, so I'd be really <laughs> surprised if he, uh, you know, he, Illinois was one of the few schools that was even going to give him a chance at quarterback, um, you know, and, and they successfully, you know, kind of used the, you know, we want to build our program around you type pitch, which, again, if you're Illinois, that's the type of thing you need to do. I think he's a kid worth taking a chance on for sure. I mean, he's really, really dynamic um, and also plays for possibly the best high school program in the Plains as far as, like, the Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois area uh, at Trinity Catholic. I mean, they have eight or nine BCS level prospects on their roster. I mean, Illinois hired his their high school coach to coach tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much like, hey, can you come recruit for us? You know, type thing. Because that's really, in my opinion, that's what it comes down to. So, um, you know, so yeah, I don't anticipate any change or any movement with Williams. I'd be really surprised, even if Illinois has another bad year. You know, I, I which I would expect them to. So, um, yeah, nothing there. With Crouch, so it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, it, it seems more and more like he's leaning towards playing linebacker, uh, which in a fucked way may not be the worst thing for Michigan because, you know, we talked about um, losing my – oh, Charbonnet, mm-hmm. Kyron Williams. Talk about all these other guys that they're in, like, really good shape for at running back or appear to be, you know, they could just shift – Basically, right now with him for Crouch, though, is like any of these schools are basically saying, "Please just come play for our school, and we'll play you where you want to play." Like because he's just he's just too talented, you know. But Michigan could legitimately pitch him at linebacker. Um, I think they're pretty much pitching him as an athlete anyway, uh, as they should, you know. Again, basically, like yeah, just like you know, these schools are just lining up, saying like you know, please, please just play for our school, and we'll you know we'll figure it out later. We'll play where you want to play. So. Uh, we have him listed as an athlete now. I think Michigan would probably tell him, and I think they have, like that he could play on both sides of the ball if he wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, could be one of you know Harbaugh's done that at running back and linebacker. You know, not many programs have, but he has. So, um, you know, so we'll see there. Tennessee randomly has kind of popped in. I think would probably be the pick as of today. And then uh, I think Michigan is. I would say. I mean, we're explicitly told i think michigan's probably in the top three right now um but it's it's really hard to know who the other school is could be clemson could be alabama um south carolina is involved north carolina you know so he's got a lot of florida state you know it's a lot of programs involved there so um again kind of one of those guys i feel like ends up elsewhere just because um but again he you know that's a keys of the kingdom type of tennessee kind of needs a big name to build their program around you know and that's where they kind of popped up out of nowhere, like I said, but I was able to, you know, our Steve Wilfong, our national guy, put in a crystal ball, and I was able to corroborate that information that Tennessee would probably be the pick as of today, but flip side is he's not deciding anytime soon, so there's plenty of time there. And, uh, again, another guy that should take an official. Um, every belief is that he will be back on campus. The only thing going against Michigan, I know people don't want to hear it, is the weather. You know, he's been quoted on that um, which is not usually a great thing but again I mean you know we'll see he also at the, that on the flip side of that he, he had also said that Michigan was his best visit so it's kind of a weird you know he obviously likes it there you know but uh I'm sure the others every other program will be negatively recruiting the heck out of him as far as the weather goes so um you know that'll be a little bit of a factor to overcome, it sounds like. But, uh, but yeah, so that battle just kind of continues. You know, but Michigan, again, thanks to Jay Harbaugh, 
is is right in the thick of it. As we've talked about, it's a, a great start to the class. Ten verbal commits, uh, rated number one in the Big Ten, number seven in the country right now, with a lot of really highly touted prospects leaning uh, our way. So Michigan fans, you know, have every right to be excited. But uh, as you you mentioned, Steve, there have been a lot of decommits uh, the last cycle uh, as we progress through the fall, which sort of uh, makes me wonder with a lot of these kids. We get really excited when they they commit and and when they say great things about Michigan and seem to be Michigan leans, but maybe more so than in a long time, things have started to turn on the recruiting trail. I think that a lot of it depends now what happens on the field this fall. Oh, yeah. I mean... Look at Georgia, you know, how they finished last year. Yeah. Uh, I think they signed seven five stars or something insane. Uh, make it up within the national championship game. You know, granted, they're a program that the the limits are endless for them just because there's so much talent in their state alone. You know, Michigan maybe doesn't have that benefit. But again, if they were, if Michigan was where Georgia was last year, Michigan would have signed a a much higher ranked class than they did. I mean, it's hard to deny. Not saying they didn't, they loved the guys that they signed, uh, but there were a few misses there late that, you know, kind of clear that winning big may have helped them Mm -hmm. or may have put them back in some other in some races that maybe they were out of, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, the the play on the field in the fall always matters. I mean, you kind of look at what Penn State's doing. You know, Penn State put together a nice class. Uh, well, look at what Michigan did in seventeen. I mean, it's the best, probably the best class on paper that they've ever signed, or close. It's definitely one of the two, two best classes they've ever signed on paper. You know, that was coming off a ten-win season. You know, where they were a foot away from probably going to the playoffs. You know, so yeah, that stuff matters. Uh, it's going to play a role for them. You know, this cycle in finishing some of those national races. You know, you get like a guy like Crouch, or let's say a guy like even a guy like Harrison. Although I don't know how much of a factor. It'll be with him, but those just those blue chip, you know, no doubter, five star type guys, you know, that you can you can steal a couple of those, you know, if you win some big games. So um, it's always a factor. I still stand by the uh, winning and and um, putting kids in the pros are always going to be the two biggest factors in building a building elite recruiting classes year in and year out. You know, and I think Michigan is halfway there. You know, they had a school record in the draft last year. I think there's a ton of draft prospects on the roster right now you know so i think that half of the equation is kind of filled now it's kind of up to them to you know maybe win a big 10 championship maybe even more you know and then kind of go from there uh, you know because that's the thing is like ohio state is the standard in the big 10 conference and that's that's what they've done i mean they've won big and they've produced a bunch of pros i mean that's why they recruit at such a high level every so there's no hiccup in what they do on the recruiting trail because kids at the end of the day, most of the time want two things, you know, they want to play in the NFL someday and they'd like to win some hardware while they're playing at college, you know? So, um, and the better thing, even for Michigan though, I say, I've said this too, there's Michigan has that added benefit of, of being an academic power too, you know? So if the big, if the wins can come in, mm-hmm. you know, their, their ceiling may almost in a way, be higher than a lot of other schools because they have that extra benefit too, you know, where it's like they'll really be able to pick and choose almost like the types of guys they want to bring into the program. So, you know, there's that. I mean, again, the the factors are in place for Michigan to recruit at a high level. Uh, You know, and they've already, in my opinion, they have for the most part, I said they missed a few in 18, but I also know the, the context of two huge talented classes in 16 and 17 allowed them to take some chances in 18, which they did. Um, and that's fine, you know, but the, the foundations there for them to, you know, be a perennial recruiting power. is just, like I said, I think I do. I think that last step is, is some hardware of some kind. Well, Steve, a closing thought. Uh, I wonder if uh, a couple of things maybe are helping recruiting. I mean, Jim Harbaugh said this week, uh, it was on Monday, I believe, uh, the team's going to South Africa next year, even taking a safari. There were that is a, a huge trip, South Africa, I think, after spring practice next year. And then the Amazon Prime all-or-nothing series. It was a big hit, and now there's some talk Amazon wants back uh, this year to follow the team for a second year. 
are, are, are things like that, the, the Prime series and these, uh, these adventures uh, to, to Europe and to South Africa, good recruiting tools? Uh, have you heard some of these kids uh, that are really, really impressed with this stuff? Yeah, I mean, the trips have been a huge benefit on the recruiting trail. I mean, when, you're, when Jim Harbaugh's FaceTiming you from the Eiffel Tower... <laughs> Uh, you know, that's like, that has an effect on kids, not just the kids, but more importantly, maybe the families too, where it's like, you know, the, these kids aren't robots, mm-hmm. you know, they're not out there for our, like our viewing pleasure on Saturday. You know, these are still, they're student athletes and, and like Harbaugh is really, I think one of the best things he's done is really put a serious emphasis on the student part of things. And, and, you know, they're eight, they just finished with a record APR. You know, which, again, I still think is partly thanks to Brady Hoke because Brady Hoke really turned it around from the Rich Rod years big time in, in the classroom. So I think he still, even though he's been gone for a while, I think he still deserves some credit for kind of starting to build that momentum uh, back in a positive direction as far as uh, performance in the classroom. You know, but but the student part, you know, is something I think that oftentimes is, is it's, well, it's a lot of times it's neglected, especially the further south you go. I mean, you don't, you don't ever really... <laughs> read about that anything like this ever happening at those schools in the sec you know it's more about uh you know these guys are it's football 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 12 months a year i get it um it's obviously for alabama it's made a big difference obviously but you know i think i think harbaugh's kind of his aim has been to give his players and and them the the most well-rounded experience that that he can so yeah i mean and then the amazon one was one i was interested to find out but actually there was a uh, kid who visited a couple months ago, offensive lineman out of Cincinnati, Zach Carpenter, who actually mentioned the Amazon documentary. Being, whenever it was, he visited shortly after it was released, so maybe it was a little less than a couple months ago. But um, you know, specifically mentioned watching the series before his visit, and that it gave him like a real like idea of what to expect uh, when he got there. You know, because one of my mm-hmm. favorite questions to ask kids who maybe Michigan just offered or maybe they took their first visit usually as actually when I ask them is, uh, you know, is, is, is Harbaugh the way that you think he was based on maybe what you read, you know, or see on the national, on the hot take type channels, you know, the, the way they talk about Harbaugh. Is he anything? And the answer is almost always no. He's like the opposite of what I thought he was going to be, you know, in the media because the media presents him in a certain manner. But then these kids and their families actually get to sit down, meet him, talk with him, and they learn that he's, you know, much different guy in a positive way than than the way maybe the media portrays him. So, you know, this and the Amazon series I think has given kids a chance to to see that firsthand without having to be there, you know. And so, um, both have been positives for sure. I mean, the 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 spring break trips are a, probably even a bigger positive than mm-hmm. I thought they would be, uh, just because. It is. It's a. You say it's a once in a lifetime trip, but if you play at Michigan now, you get four once in a lifetime trips. You know, as long as this <laughs> continues. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, you take a kid like Peoples Jones, who, uh, you know, will go to was in Paris this year. Will be in South Africa next year, and I believe he had enrolled before they went to. Uh, Rome. Was it Rome? Mm-hmm. They went to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like, you know, these guys are going to get to see the world, uh, you know, and then do it with their team bond and all that type of stuff and. Uh, yeah, I think it's really cool. I also think any fan that's like not supportive of these trips is just like a, a complete total moron. So I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's despicable and awful uh, that people want to try to criticize, you know, that these kids are doing this. That is, if as if it, you know, they should only be able to go if they. You'd be surprised how many times you you see these trips written about, and somebody will tweet an article, and the response will be, "Well, they should only be able to go if they beat Ohio State." Yeah, and it's like. That's that's what I talk about when I say these kids aren't like robots and like they're not, you know, yeah, robots for our viewing pleasure, for our entertainment. You know, like these are student athletes and uh, that's the emphasis they try to put on these trips. Uh, and, and yeah, so but at the same time, you know, student athletes, but it is it's, it's definitely being used on the recruiting trail. Uh, and it's and it's effective. Well, it was a big month of April. Uh, May's been interesting so far. Of course, June coming up uh, with the big visits on the 22nd is going to be a, another big month with uh, 
football camp looming shortly thereafter. So, Steve, we will get you back uh, in June, and who knows what will be happening. But as always, uh, I know our listeners uh, love to hear from you, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports, about what's going on with our Wolverines. So, Steve, enjoy uh, a little bit of the summer until it uh, starts to heat up again, and we look forward to having you back in just a few weeks. Thanks as always, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Birth. On Quick Hits today, the number 17-ranked University of Michigan softball team sacrificed a late lead in a 2-1 heartbreaker to Notre Dame in an NCAA regional elimination game on Sunday afternoon at Kentucky's John Crop Stadium. The loss ended the Wolverines' 2018 campaign. The Wolverines broke a scoreless tie in the top of the sixth inning, but Notre Dame took advantage of Michigan miscues to respond with two runs in the home half of the inning. Michigan threatened again in the top of the seventh, putting two runners on, but the rally fell short. Freshman left-handed pitcher Megan Bobian, 33-6, was solid in defeat, striking out four while allowing two runs on six hits and no walks. She finished her rookie campaign tied with Kelly Holmes from 1997 for the fourth most single-season wins in program history. Michigan closed out the 2018 campaign with a 44-13 overall record including an 8-3 Big Ten Conference mark and route to the program's 20th regular season conference title. Baseball, 32-19, will open postseason play at the Big Ten Conference Tournament as the number three seed today, Wednesday, in Omaha. The Wolverines will first face off against number six, Iowa, and the winner will advance to play the winner of number two seed, Purdue, and number seven seed, Ohio State. All Big Ten Tournament games will be aired live on the Big Ten Network. The Wolverines earned a number three seed in the Big Ten Conference Tournament after finishing third in the Big Ten. Michigan has advanced to the Big Ten Tournament each year under head coach Eric Bockage. If Michigan has any hope of reaching the NCAA Tournament, we need to run the table this week in Omaha, which will be a tall order. Thanks again to Steve Lorenz for being our guest this week. He'll be back in late June for another recruiting update. That will do it for another edition of The Michigan Man. Remember, we're on our summer schedule, so our next show will be on June 6th, so we hope to see you then. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!